the dream of care for our elderly, the dream of an all-out attack on mental illness, and above all, the dream of equal rights for all Americans, whatever their race or color. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was from President Lyndon Johnson's famous Let Us Continue speech, delivered to a special joint session of Congress on November 27, 1963. Just five days after the assassination of JFK, among many things in that speech, he was urging Congress to pass civil rights legislation to honor Kennedy's memory. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and moving from 1963 to today, Tuesday, September 14th, we haven't seen any major new democracy issues emerging. Rather, I've got some quick updates and insights into several of the major issues we've been tracking these last few weeks. Let's start with political developments today. It's the final day to cast votes in the recall effort for Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Over 35% of active California voters have already cast their ballots, and while recent polls show Newsom way in the lead, a change from the past weeks, this vote is fundamentally one of motivation and turnout. If Democrats turn out, Newsom wins. But Republicans have been much more fired up about the recall, and if Democratic turnout is low from apathy or underwhelming support for Newsom, he could still be at risk, and it would be weeks before we know the results if the votes are close. As I've said before, this recall election can have huge implications for American democracy, both the chance of a Republican governor becoming into office and potentially appointing a senator if we happen to get resignation or a vacancy in California, but also the broader implications for what it means for democratic loss of momentum. So something to keep our eyes out on tonight as we look at election results in the evening and in the weeks to come if it is close. Looking back over the week, yesterday, the next iteration of the political drama from our withdrawal from Afghanistan emerged as the UN said that millions of Afghans could run out of food by winter and over a million children could die from malnutrition. While UN member states and private donors have pledged over a billion dollars in humanitarian aid, a severe drought and displacement of hundreds of thousands of people because of the Taliban will make the coming months a huge humanitarian crisis. Beyond the concern for the lives of so many people themselves, this also stands to cast an ever longer shadow on the politics of Biden's withdrawal and how the end of the Afghan war plays out in America's midterm elections. Over the weekend, the House Ways and Means Committee released its first draft of the tax package expected to pay for the $3.5 trillion budget package, and it's aiming for a vote by tomorrow. Uh, many people have said this is very similar to the fast turnaround of the Republican tax package under Trump, which was also criticized for having so many errors and problems in it. So it remains to be seen if Democrats have made the corrections they need to overcome it. The package included a range of modest to significant changes, including raising the corporate tax rate from 21 to 26.5%, the top individual tax rate from 37 to 39.6%, and the top capital gains rate from 20 to 25%. It also forced the pharmaceutical industry to negotiate rates directly with Medicare, which could cover about $700 billion in new spending. But the most noteworthy item is in this expected package is really that it left out 
taxing wealth or inheritance in any significant ways. It had an additional 3% tax on Americans who make more than $5 million a year, rather than a surtax on billionaires' fortunes or any type of annual wealth tax. It placed restrictions rather than eliminating the carried interest loophole, which benefits private equity. And it accelerated the end of the $24 million estate tax exemption rather than making any new effort to tax inheritances more aggressively. So really, it had a focus on taxing income rather than wealth, which uh, many progressives were trying to get into this piece of legislation. The Biden administration said that it met its core goals of not raising taxes on Americans earning under 400000 and it repealed core elements of the Trump tax giveaway. And in a turn of phrase that I'd nominate as a new height of creative political jargon, Democrats are calling this package the boldest common denominator, basically the most aggressive they could negotiate within a divided caucus, where progressives are saying this is a massive loss, leaving the focus on taxing income rather than the wealth of billionaires. However, despite all of those negotiations, Senator Manchin quickly noted that he still cannot support this $3.5 trillion price tag, and he's especially opposed to the proposed increase in the corporate tax rate. He said, it's going to be one, $1.5 trillion. We don't know where it's going to be. It's not going to be $3.5, I can assure you. He also noted that he thinks there's no way Congress can meet the September 27th deadline set for passage through negotiations by conservative House Democrats and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So this continues to evolve. Everyone expects that this tax package will continue to change and be amended before it gets passed. So even the vote tomorrow is just the next step in an ongoing set of negotiations. Finally, on the COVID front, last week, if we continue to look backwards, the administration announced a series of major measures. They said that 80 million Americans working at businesses with 100 or more employees will be required to receive a COVID vaccine or produce a negative test result every week, or those businesses would face tens of thousands of dollars in fines under new rules to be developed by the Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. Biden also signed executive orders requiring all government employees to be vaccinated, no opt-out, as well as employees of contractors who do business with the federal government. They also mandated that vaccines for 300,000 educators in federal Head Start programs and the 17 million healthcare workers at facilities receiving funds from Medicare and Medicaid. While Republican politicians and far-right activists have railed against these new mandates in the last few days, the business community has been largely silent or supportive of the new mandates, with many of the center-right business associations publicly welcoming the mandate to help get the country past COVID. Additionally, the latest polls over the last few days show that a strong majority of Americans, including suburban voters, support these vaccine mandates for federal workers and private companies. And from a political standpoint, polls suggest this is an action that Biden can take to improve his standing with independence, which is particularly important right now since he's seen his popularity numbers going down. So while the politics of COVID continue to evolve, this is a big set of moves from the administration which will ripple out across American society in the weeks to come. And I think really telling to see the support from the business community as well as the populace in seeing it. So those are some of the developments. It's been a quieter week on the democracy front, but things are going to continue to accelerate as we head into the fall. 
But until then, thanks for joining us to hear a quick review of the issues of the week. I'm Jason Franklin. It's Tuesday, September 14th. Thanks for joining 10 Minutes on Democracy.